0: Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. So you know 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, say therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things, old things, old things are passed away, are passed away. Now somebody shout, Behold! Behold. (laughs) Do you know what? That's an alarm right there. When you see that in Scripture, let's do it one more time. I think some people are still napping. Say, "Behold." Behold! Yeah, Behold. And here it is. Behold all things. You see, I'm moving from old things to all things. All things, all things are become new. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God, I don't come alone today to your throne room. There's some hungry hearts here. To oh, God, somebody, somebody last week knew that we cut the altar call short because you said so. And, God, today I've watched as heart after heart has come to this altar and say, give me one more opportunity. Give me one more opportunity to intercede. Give me one more opportunity, God, to praise you, to thank you. To bow, God, not only my knee, but my heart. God, to not only surrender my heart, but my head. God, thank you for this moment that we have with you. We don't only, God, we don't only, God, today cherish it. We honor it. God, I know today there's two or three believers in this house. And I know because of that you are here. And when you're here... (laughs) we leave different. So God, today, you do what you do. It's in your name. We pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I don't have any snappy one-liners or nothing. (laughs) Right now. What a humbling piece of scripture. With brevity, I've studied it. With tenacity, I've had to believe it. But the opening line would, would be noteworthy of a whole series that if any man be in Christ. The thing today is that we have marginalized our Christianity instead of evangelized like we should have. Lines have become blurred. Missions have become impossible because we leave God out. And at the same moment, the path to the pig pen is getting broader and wider. And it's well lit from the flames of hell to encourage and even incite the souls of those that are lost and undone. Today more than ever. And not to explain last Sunday, but I know when I hear from God. And to simply come to a point to where we say, and when you all go to say, don't give it long because you, like I, have taken grace for granted and the grace for the moment and the grace in which we should be living in, soaking in, believing in. We've begun to take the very oracles and the promises of God for granted. There's a series that's been cooking within my mind called Grace Blockers that I'll get to at some point. But the Word said, if there be any man in... (laughs) Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. What I'm finding today is that there's many in church, but how many are really in Christ? Now, I'm saying that this is not going to be a condemnation type in any way. It's not going to be that. This is going to be something that my prayer is to steer you. So this will have really uh, more, just just an evangelistic uh, toe and flow to it, if you will. I know, because I think I know where the Holy Ghost is going to take me in this. And I want to share five words with you in just a moment. But the thing is that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But we should be getting that. So if any man is in Christ, all things should be new. You should be looking at things differently. You should be hearing things differently. You should be walking differently. You should be worshiping differently. And you should be serving one God and none other. Amen. Wow. And as we begin to look at this piece of scripture, it's, it's, it's the next one too. In verse 18, and all things are of God has reconciled. Say Reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and is given to us when people ask, I'll finish in just a moment, that when people say, I don't know what I'm to do. Well, right here is the very elementary piece of the puzzle is that we have been given just as Christ had been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, you and I will think, I don't have a ministry. I don't, I don't preach. I, I really, they, they don't ask me to lead worship. There's a reason why they don't. Let me move on. that there's a ministry of reconciliation that when we look at that, that when somebody says what they're in is my purpose and I'll be leading to this, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciled the word unto himself, not imputing, Larry, there's that word that you like, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, if we were to read that in the broad sense, we would think that, listen, because of Jesus Christ, no sin has been imputed to us. But the fact is, it's not that, listen, all of us were born under sin and in sin from the first Adam. And sin will remain imputed until you have been bought by the precious blood of jesus christ then and only then are you set free from hell and you are set free from the very chains of darkness in which hell wants to keep you in today i'm on a reconnaissance mission and when the word is so simple here that it says that the word he's committed on us the word of reconciliation I've got a ministry of reconciliation to break it on down. I've got a word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors. Say, now then. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us that we pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So then what in and wherein lies our purpose? Now, since God was in Jesus and Jesus came to set all of us free from the very chains of hell, now then, this ministry, how many of you know Christ is in you, the hope of glory? When we pray it, we sing it. And so that if Christ is in us, this Christ's mission, not now, then go from us out to the world. And we have the ministry to reconcile. I need to tell some people before I go any further that it's time for you to fight. It's time for you to fight. I was raised in Iberia, Kentucky. I had three older siblings. One was my oldest my sister, and my two brothers, Bobby and Rick. We, we had them, and I was the youngest. And the thing is, how many of y'all, did anybody teach y'all how to swim? You know how I got taught how to swim. They throwed me in. And they said, sink or Swim. Now, that sounds pretty simple, but let me tell you this. After I learned how to swim, me and my brothers would get to wrestling around. They were always bigger. They were always stronger. They were always this. But let me tell you something. I remember my, my next oldest brother. I remember Rick trying to, when we were wrestling and doing what you do, and you know, he's wrestling, doing all that stuff. And I remember him trying to hold me under. You know what I didn't do? I didn't roll over and say, I'm done. I'm finished. It's over. I fought. I clawed. I bit I did whatever that I could to get to where I could breathe. Can I preach to somebody this morning? Because what's happening right now, the enemy is doing his best to try to hold you under. The world's telling you to depress, oppress, suppress, and depressed, oppressed, suppressed, any pressed. But can I tell you it's time for you to fight hell in Jesus' name and say, You're not gonna hold me under? I've got a message today. I've got a message to tell you that the devil has tried for way too long to hold you under, hold you back, and to keep you down. I wish somebody would shout the name of Jesus in this house. That hell and what's happening, we've got a bunch of Christians and we've got a bunch of milk toast people that are just simply saying it's not worth it. I'm telling you in Jesus' name, you fight for that air that God gave you. Don't you let hell hold you under. Said he scares me. You know what scares you? Cause you used to hell serenading you and putting you to sleep in church. I ain't here to serenade you and be any part of your nap. It's time to fight. There's a reason, intercessor, why you feel weight when you come in here. Hell's doing its best to try to take this house. Hell didn't give us this house. And hell's not going to take this house. This is God's house. Therefore, if any man being Christ, he's a new creature. Jack, I may not look like a fighter, but I'm going to tell you something. You get on the wrong side of me when I know the right side of things. Jezebel will not have authority over my mind. She will not have my family. She will not have me. She will not have my legacy. She will not have my heritage, which is his. I need some Christians in this house to wake up and understand that we're on the front lines. It's time for you to get out of the bunker and battle in Jesus' name. Bobby, am I right? Some of you right now, don't you dare roll over and quit. Because there's a purpose on the inside of you that God gave you. Some of you need to do. You remember that air and how good it was. When somebody was trying to hold you, remember, some of you are being drowned by religion. Breathe, church. The ministry of reconciliation. With ministry must come word. The word of reconciliation. Somebody said, what is that? What's that look like? What's that sound like? It sounds like truth. It sounds like forgiveness. It sounds like love. It sounds like hope. Can I tell you something? I'm glad today that we're called Potter's Hope and not Potter's Hype. Can I tell you something? The God that's in this house is still almighty. He's still all caring. He's still all forgiving. He's still a mighty God. (laughs) Breathe. Breathe. This word of reconciliation can be different to the one that needs to be healed. It's a healing word. To the one that needs to be found, it's a saving word. To the broken one, it's that fixing word, whatever. But the word of reconciliation, as the Spirit thus will give you at the point in time that you need it, at the very appointed time that that person is in front of you, expect for the Holy Ghost to give you the word and expect for him to explain. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You're in Christ. You've got to be more than in church. Why? Because we've got ministry. We've got ministry. We've got ministry. The Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 4, seeing then we have this ministry, we faint not. I know some of you are tired. I know some of you are weary. But don't be weary in well-doing. Because you're never going to reap. Thank you, Alicia. Be not weary in well-doing for in due season. You shall what? Turn to somebody, look in their eyes, and say, you look like you're due. Some of you right now that look like you took a shower in vinegar. I can tell you whether nobody else going to tell you, it's time. devil told you don't expect nothing new i see you i see you hell telling you right now i want to be anywhere else but here but can i tell you something you got here we're going to make the best and the blessed of it <laughs> i love y'all in this simple peace this simple peace The doctrinal stance of reconciliation was said by one source is this. Please listen. By the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, God annulled in grace the distance which sin had brought in between himself and man in order that all things might, through Christ, be presented agreeably to himself. Believers are already reconciled through Christ's death to be presented holy, unblameable, unreprovable, which is a new creation. God was in Christ when Christ was on the earth. Yes or no? Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Is that correct? He's big enough to be both places at once. How many of you know that he's sitting on the throne of your heart? Okay, give him the keys and let him start driving. God was in Christ when Christ was on the earth, reconciling the word unto himself, not imputing unto them their trespasses. They said this, but now that the love of God has been fully revealed in the cross the testimony has gone out worldwide beseeching men to be reconciled to God the end is that God may have his pleasure in man I'll add this that not only to have his pleasure in his creation but his purpose revealed in each and every man, woman and child on the face of this earth and God's will and purpose for every one of us is to be saved for us to share the gospel and not shave the gospel and not shed the gospel but rather to see people saved, changed, and delivered from the very power of hell in which is being preached today from pulpits. I need about five people to declare they're more than a conqueror. Yeah. By the means of Christ. How did he do it? It's here it is. This is out. I'll get to points in a minute. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Yes or no? Yeah. This is talking about being imputed. Understand this, that salvation is already in place for you. That your sin has already, the sin that was imputed for you has already been paid for. But it's just like it's at the pickup window. Okay? It's just like you got to get it. That if we shall confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. We need some mouth that confess and hearts that believe. So a song says, he became sin, right? You remember it? He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Though the pulpits across America and the pew holders and the pew people that have their own parking spots in church and get mad when somebody gets it, (laughs) who made him to be sin for us, he knew no sin until he knew yours and mine. He lived a sinless, spotless life. Tempted according to scripture in every way possible that you and I also are tempted, so that you and I could not say, "Well, he was Jesus. Well, he was the son of God. He was tempted but not taken." He became sin who knew no sin. I'll get to the point. Stay with me that we might be made churchgoers. How oh. I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm Deacon of the Month at Potter's Hope. <laughs> That's really wild because we ain't got any. <laughs> we got elders. I'm not saying we won't have in the future, but that we may be the righteousness of God as we see fit and by our opinion. No. That we may be made, that we might be made the righteousness of God of God in him, in Jesus, in Jesus, now I'll get to the message, three or four weeks ago I'm in the elevator, we're in Mexico, get over it, don't get mad at me, that's where we went, you know you save up and we we go, I'm there and I see a big tall guy, six, seven in the elevator. I said, we're getting ready to get off the elevator. I make small talk, you know, that's what I do. And uh, so anyway, I said, hey, I said, you have a blessed day, man. Be encouraged. You too. Big tall guy, 70. God bless you. I'm like, well, okay. Amen. Amen. I'm thinking the whole time I'm sizing him up, I said, he's 70, but I believe he could take me. So anyway, <laughs> I'm there, right? I get off the elevator. We do what we do at resorts. Everybody say you go on an excursion? I said, absolutely. We leave the room and go to the pool. Oh, I have another one. I'll go, I'll go to the buffet. Get back on the elevator the next day. I see him again. He said, hey. Hey, you're him. You're the one. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'm loud, but you're obnoxious. (laughs) Now let me move on. I'm there and I'm cornered, right? Like I corner people, right? I'm there and he said, hey, you're the one. He said, hey, listen. You're the one that said, have a blessed day. I said, I did. We had a good conversation. He said, I got off. He said, hey, God bless you. I said, amen. I said, boy, amen. I received that. We get off two nights later. He and his wife are sitting there. It's getting close to time for us to come home. He's sitting there, and I come around the corner. He's sitting there on a bench. It's getting dusk outside, and he comes around. He says, honey, it's you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, Yeah. he said you're the one that told me on the elevator and i said yeah and he said hey he said you be blessed too." told his wife and i made small talk again and i said i hope y'all have a great time you know and enjoy the rest of your vacation and all of this and that and i said you'll be blessed i get 10 step past and holy ghost says Finish the assignment. I go back, and he says, You're back. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, he's back so glad and he says I said yeah man I just wanted to come back I said I think I may have left some unfinished business at that point I didn't share and he looks at me he's got a drink in his hand and he says to me he said so I got a question he said do you believe god's real and I thought holy ghost I didn't know it was going to be this easy And do you believe that when we die, we go to heaven or hell? And I'm thinking, Holy Ghost, you give me an outline. And his wife is very attentive. And what I'm saying to this, these are, these are folks that, in that, your thinking, they, they're, they're centered. They're this and that. And, I, and, and really, even though I said he had a drink in his hand, he's not inebriated to the point that he doesn't understand and or whatever, right? So I begin to share with him. And as we sit down, Amy comes back over. She's lost me. She don't know where I'm at. She's only figuring. She's, where's he at? She comes back over, and they're still talking. And he asks me about heaven and what I think. And I said, I'm glad you asked. We've got some really good info. I said, we believe that when you die, you go to heaven if you're a Christian bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Really? Yes. Finish the assignment. I'm going to get to my point. Really, this is not my point. It's just leading up to my point what the lord told me thursday morning i'm gonna give it to you in just a moment so here it is and we're doing this and we're sharing this and i see i see an attentiveness in his eye i see i see her begin to be drawn in and i'm watching they're not drawn to us they're drawn to the holy ghost and i'm watching his holy ghost begins and this is a simple story and i have a lot of these that i don't share all the time with the same way you do it in different things but so here we are and i'm doing that and he gets to the point and they tell me we finally get to the point with her that she tells us that she's born again that her sister got saved and she knew more than just just going to church we're rejoicing of course i look over at six seven and i say hey buddy what about you what about he said i don't know i said well then how could you say god bless you how could you say for somebody to bless you that you don't know do you know him i mean i don't know him know him okay As the conversation deepens and Amy shares with life after death stories that we are both very familiar with her being in palliative care for years, me just doing what I do in years and watching people shed their garments here, Brother Dennis, and grab on to the Lord and go home. By the way, can I stop just for a minute? How many of you believe there's a place called heaven? How how many of you believe that Jesus is the light there? How many of you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going because Jesus Christ has paid the price? You know what Shannon, you're not going to go whether your mom and daddy whether your mom and daddy's going or not. Do you know you're not going because of anything they did or they didn't do? You're going to go because you have knelt your whole your heart, your soul before an almighty God and said, "Forgive me. I'm a sinner. Change my life and set me free." That's what dictates heaven. Heaven. Wow, I got a message coming called In My Father's House. Remember, I was preaching that home message. We'll get back to that. Only to find out Amy's carrying on a conversation really good with with, with the lady, which is they've been married several years and they're doing that. And then he looks at me and they both told us at the beginning, said we had a niece that came down here two or three years ago. She was on alcohol. She was on drugs. And they pointed right up to a room over in the corridor to the front. It probably looked like the best room in the whole resort, right? She went right up there and I said, okay. And they said she took her life there. And I said, what? It's like the Holy Ghost is telling you the whole time I told you, hang on. Amy carries on a conversation with his wife, and then he says to me on a side note and over here, he said, I can't stop drinking. I've been an alcoholic since I was 17. I've been to rehab. I've been in and out. I've done this and I've done that. And he says, she doesn't know it, but I come down here to take my life too. With a smile on my face, I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, brother, you don't have to do that. I said, Jesus has come to give us life and to give us life abundantly. I said, I believe you believe everything that we've been taught. Yes. And I said, you didn't come down here to die. You came down here to figure out how to live. Now. There are people going around. I, I, you know, I, I feel God about everybody around me. We get up and I say, "Hey, I said I want to pray. We all can we pray? We all yes, yes. We get up and we start praying. Hand on his back, we get to praying and about this God. He doesn't know. I'm watching this God is melting a cold heart. I'm watching this God is beginning to move, and I'm sharing with him as we're praying. Now stay with me a minute, okay? We're sharing and he's crying, he's weeping, and I said, "Brother, you can be born again. You can be changed." God done praying and you're thinking he got up off his knees he started shouting he started dancing he threw his alcohol in the bushes he done all of that and you're like hallelujah what a praise the answer is I don't know you're like brother Wayne wh- wh- why then why-? can I tell you something I'm not the closer the Holy Ghost is he heard the gospel he heard a message of hope can I tell you something? I have. I, I believe I have. I believe I've forced people before. I believe I've cornered them in such a way to say, you know, in different things. And I believe they've got it saved before because they want me to leave them alone. Y'all quit laughing at me because y'all been thinking that. Like, I wish you'd leave me alone too right now, Brother Wayne, you meddling rascal. So what am I saying? At that point, I left there with a sigh of relief. I believe he's alive. I believe he's born again. They live in Canada, pray for him, and they live in Canada, and you know what? I'm believing today in my heart. I'm believing that he's born again. That's what I'm believing. I'm believing he's changed. Do I know? Here's what I hope. I hope when I get there and not that it's going to matter, I hope he looks at his wife and he says, "There he is." not that that's going to do anything not that that's can I tell you, because when I get there, I ain't going to need that to give me all that joy. Finally, I ain't, because I tell you what, just to be in the joy of his presence. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going to dance. I don't know where I'm going to sing, but I'll tell you this. When I get there, I'm going to be able to dance like you can't even believe. I'm going to be able to sing like you can't even sing. I'm going to be able to dance, praise him, do whatever. I just don't know whether I'm going to do any of that or be on my face. I'm practicing here when these eyes start leaking, and I get to thinking about how he can still change lives. <laughs> What was my assignment? To go back? You see, with the Holy Ghost has got to be the closer. I wanted to bring him to a place of truth that alcohol doesn't have to rule and reign over your life anymore. If you're here today, I need to tell you it doesn't have to reign and rule over yours either. Now, if y'all don't mind, I'm gonna get to the message. I may not get, but these five words out. Thursday morning at three thirty. I wrote this down. It started with finishing assignment. The other part is what I'm getting ready to give you Friday, excuse me, Friday morning. It's between 30 and 4. I'm still nursing my second cup of coffee. I start with my usual conversation. Good morning, Father. At that point, I'm not struggling to stay awake, but I'm struggling to be attentive. At that point, as many times, I've been very transparent before you, I'm struggling to carry on the conversation. It's the fact that the Father is near and dear to me, but sometimes it seems as though it's long distance and there's so much static and there's so many things trying, if you will, to, to cut the call short or to, to do whatever that it can. Struggling to stay awake, but rather to be attentive and focused, which is common for me, I had to press in. I was so hungry to hear to the point of desperation. What did you do? I waited. Reminded by the word of God that those that wait upon the Lord, He'll renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. Not only will you run and not grow weary, but you'll run again and not grow weary. Not only will you not just walk again, but you'll walk and not faint. Waiting, and then what is not earth shattering or even soul shattering to you? These five words I hear from the throne room bring them back to me. I know I don't look middle-aged. I'm 57. I'm going to live to be 114. <laughs> Amy's like, am I going to be around to take care of you? Can I just share my heart with you today? Whether you want it to or not, I'm going to. So, <laughs> Five words, Ron. Bring them back to me. Never in my life, myself included, have I seen a more distracted, unfocused, cold, calloused garment of whatever that it is that hell and the spirit of the antichrist is trying its best to cloak the church with. Somebody somebody says, Pastor, how do you do it? You go out to people and you say, hey, I sense something's wrong. Well, it may be because they're crying, okay? Part of it is just seeing a tear. Part of it is just seeing distress. Part of it is just seeing in the natural. But when I heard this from him, I sat there. And it's almost like I just sat there. And see, the thing is, is that when I sat there Lisa, I was just like, oh, God. And I pondered it. And for three or four hours, I really, I'd always started asking. I said, God, you got to give me more than that. I said, I, and then all, I, all I got was just bring them back to me. And then my mind went to finish the assignment. And God reminded me, finish the assignment, what's? Finishing the assignment. Bring them back to me. Bring the unfocused, the distracted, the unforgiving. Bring those maybe that once knew me. I'm not talking about the separation between heaven and hell for you, but I'm talking about those. And maybe any or all of us that have come to a place that we're in church, but we're out of touch. Wow. I don't know how many times that Amy has told me and it's it's, it's a busy time. We'll be cutting hay and doing different things. I think we will. I plan to. Different things and this, and it all just kind of blends together. It just becomes like a big work salad for me, right? But I know this, I know that when she, she looks at me and she says, and, and this, and we're going, we're, we're husband, we're wife, we're, we're husband and wife, we're, we're married, we're this and that, and we're more than just, we, we won't just live in the same house, we share the home together, we do that, and all of those things, but there's times when she'll tell me, she says this, she said, we're disconnected. Now for you guys that have heard that, but you're being real still right now, you know what she's saying? I want you to pay attention to me. I don't want to be just a thing. I want to be the main thing. When I say that, God, if you will, is rehearsing within my soul the very thing for not just myself, but you also. I don't just want to be a thing that you do on Sunday. I I don't just want to be a prayer that we have a short conversation. I don't want it just to be a text, if you will. Thank God for reading the Bible, but the Bible needs to be more than just a text to you. It needs to be a living, holy, and righteous word unto us. Tomorrow, you know in the hope groups that to what is my purpose. And by the way, for those of you tomorrow morning, bring something with you to eat. We'll meet over there. So in that, that when we think about that, to what is my purpose and what is it that shapes me and what is it that that, and what I have found is this, is that the Lord has done this with me and he's done this with you, that my shaping does not happen on the mountaintop. My shaping happens in the valleys. And the valleys of decision that turn into the valleys of determination, that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Wow. Wow. That in this, bring them back to me. So if I could, and I know this is part of the outline, to find them as I begin to hear clearer and to be still, to find them. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah fifty three six. The word of God tells us you're familiar with Isaiah fifty three. Such messianic to the forefront of our Savior Jesus Christ. Such a foreshadowing. Remember? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Remember that? And with his stripes we are... With his stripes we are... With his stripes... Remember, all of this is in Christ, so he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes we're healed. But it's the next verse that I can, I want to preach to this point in Isaiah 53, 6. If I were to find them today, I may get to two. If I were to find them, it's the strays. So the whole thought is bring them, bring them back to me. Brother, bring them back to me. And this is the first place he takes me. And this is to those that are going astray. And you know what I'm seeing in my mind is a stray cat walking down an alley. And if you ever noticed a stray cat, they, 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 they kind of dawdle along like they don't know where they're going. And they almost look drunk, don't they? Stray cat like they have no home. We're seeing so much of this today. It's not just on the streets of San Francisco or in the, a, a, in the very places of Oregon or wherever. There's so many homeless people. There's so many, but can I tell you something? There's so many homeless people in the church that don't realize that Jesus is their home. Wait a minute, I'm going to preach this out. If I could categorize them, the first one I want to do is the strays. All we like sheep have gone what? Astray. All we have turned, everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What he's saying is this, he's laying it out. All of us have gone astray. Every one of us has turned our own way. But yet, the sin that was in our life has already been imputed to him. Did he not say that? But the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. That whether you go astray or whether you don't or whatever that's going on, Elena, whatever that it is, the word of God says, still, the Lord laid all of our iniquity upon him. Everything you've ever done has been laid upon him. And it's not just laid upon him, but it's paid by him. You are free, church, to worship. You are free to thank God, to praise God. Those who have gone astray, that word is this. If we were to look, the original is ta'a. It means to err. E E-R-R. The word means this, it means to vacillate. Stay with me because I'm going to break this down. I won't be much longer, but the thing is, it means to vacillate. It means to weave back and forth. It means to stagger. It means to wonder. So the first thing is this, and so when I'm seeing this, bring them back to me. Bring those that have gone astray. Those that weave back and forth. Those that stagger like a drunk man. I don't know if they still do it. I'm not saying I ever had to do it. But the thing is, when you used to, when you take a a, a sobriety test before they had the breathalyzer, what did they do? They made you walk the line. Today, there's no Christians that even walk the line anymore. We're so inebriated and drunken with our own self that listen, we say, no, you ain't gonna draw my line. I draw my line based on what? My truth. I will tell you, friend, that your line and your truth will take you straight to hell. But his bloodline and his truth will take you straight to heaven if you believe it and trust in it. We got people today, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. They stagger at the promises of God because they don't believe the promises of God anymore. And we got hokey pokey Christians, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. I said this to somebody yesterday. Too many Christians dipping their toe in the water and said, "Ugh." Oh. We're the people that really want to get, really want to be immersed in the living water of God. Yeah. We got people. Thanks. We got people. I'm dip my toe. Ugh. Oh. That's a hot one today. Get the kids. Let's get out. Remember that living water? remember Ezekiel's river that was coming out of the throne of God? Some of you are satisfied with waiting in the water? Can I tell you something? I'm asking for God to send a river that none of us can touch anymore, that we can't touch bottom, that we float in the very presence of God. I have to do some treading in it, but I'm asking for that river of living water to flow through here. I give me, just stay with me. Stay with me, to air. To those that vacillate, bring back the strays, bring back those that have strayed from me. It means this, to wonder about physically, and it means this, several things here. I'm gonna start with this point. To wonder about physically, to stagger as though by intoxication. Kathy, I'll send you you my notes, you'll need them. To wonder, say physically. You're seeing people do that. To wander astray ethically. Physically, ethically, I've got more to wander astray morally. Talking about the strays. I want to talk for just a moment, just real quick, to define this, the difference between ethics and morality. Ethics, just doing a little bit here, some homework. Ethics is a code of behavior. It comes from the Greek word that if you were to look it up in the dictionary, it comes from the Greek word ethos, which means Character. But the difference in ethics is an outward or external order. Okay, stay with me. So how much of this do we see today? So if the Lord is speaking this to you and I, and by the way, now that he's spoken to me, he's speaking it to you too. Bring them back to me. Bring back to me those that have no code of conduct anymore. Bring back to me those people that weave in and out of church. Bring back to me. And so have the heart for those. You say, Pastor, what do we do? Tell them to be rooted and grounded in Christ. This is not the time to be flighty. Wow. Bring them back to me. Bring them back to me. The difference, like I said, ethos, or or ethics meaning ethos, meaning character, which is external. What about moral? Moral is the word MOS, which I'm going to take as most, that it means this, that moral means this. It is more of what is internal. That when we look at the word morality, it's more than that. It's more than just a code of ethics. What it is, Terry, is this. That when we begin to look at morality, it's a set, if you will. How many of you believe you're a good moral person? You hope so? Where'd you learn it? You see, the thing is, is that you can be a moral, a good moral person and still split hell wide open. Yeah. Yeah. But the core of this is there's something internal within us. And when we base that upon the Word of God, that is when the character and what is external begins to begin to intertwine with what is internal. That is when what is ethical and what is what is ethically right and more, morally right in Him begins to become that. And there's a code of conduct. <laughs> my boys, my two older boys, they were especially taught this. My younger one too, low, or... Braden and Hannah, even. I, I taught my boys to say, Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes, sir, no, sir. You say that now to people that are like, what? You say, you don't have to tell me that, like I'm your mom. I like what my older boys, I've heard them say. said, Listen, we didn't mean to offend you at all. But we were taught to say, Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir. Out of respect. And that code of conduct, if you will, Luke, is being something that's been now that's just basically being taken away. And if you do that to some now, well, you don't even know what I am. You don't know if I'm a ma'am or a sir. No, you're crazy. <laughs> well, pray for me. <laughs> so he does this, and when I say that he's in bringing them home, praise to him, I won't be much longer. Just get ready. So what is this? What is the the morality? How many of you know what true north is? If you had a compass in your hand, Mike, am I correct? That if you pulled that compass out, that if it's working correctly, it's going to point to the west every time. Is that correct? No. Before I even give him a chance. No. Where's it point? True north. The thing is, is that once you are born again, there should be a true north in you. And what is happening today is that the world is so confused because we as Christians no longer have a true north. Instead of being a compass, we're a weather vane. In whichever way that the news is blowing or that our friends are telling, we're just blown like a weather vane. Instead of having a true north and saying, no, God created a man and a woman. He called them male and female. And listen, somebody said, well, you're going to offend people with that. I'm not offending you. If the word of God offends you, and by the way, I will tell you that it does. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is, an, is a comforter? Okay. How many of you know that he'll make you uncomfortable? Okay. He works in comfort. And the thing is, you're getting ready to have some real uncomfortable conversations. But I want to tell you, you remain true north. What is right is right. It doesn't mean, it does not mean that I'm so rigid that I cannot have the conversation so what does it mean that we're talking about those that wonder? We're talking about those that wonder physically, that are staggering back and forth, in their in, they're out. We're talking about those that ethically that no longer have a code of conduct. We're talking about those morally that have no true North on the inside of them, that the character does not match up with something that's innate, Jackie on the inside. How many of you know you're supposed to be good to people? How many of you know you're supposed to love God? How many of you supposed to know who love people? Yeah, Yeah, and you're struggling with a second one at least. (laughs) To wander off mentally. This is what I see. The Lord said, bring them back to me. To watch those that wander off. I wander off. I wander off. My feet'll stay in place, but my mind can be a million different places. Don't say nothing, Amy. She lets me drive. And you know how many times I've said, I've heard her said, watch the road. I'll say, did you see this? She said, no. But what happened was that? Come on, praise team. Come on. Come on. Come on, praise team, if you would. I'm going to let them get up here. You already know the five words. We're getting ready to have an altar call. And then the last one is this, to wander off mentally that I had mentioned and here's what it is how many of you have a short attention span how many of you have no attention span (laughs) so they tell you that 30 minutes man if you can keep somebody for 30 minutes you got it right 40's pushing it and y'all like pastor you watching the clock (laughs) but let me tell you this I wrote this down for me I've said it somewhat before, but attention span and intention span is that, well, listen, it's not just about me being, having attention or being attentional, if that's even a word, but being intentional. Wow. Do what you do, Lord. If you're lost, come. If you're broken, come. If you're bruised, you're beat up, and you're battered, come. There's a healer at this altar. Amen. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged.